Hello and welcome to Inside the Therapy Room. I'm your host, Sam Sellers. I'm a registered therapist, a wife and fur mama, and I am passionate about breaking down the barriers and stigma attached to therapy. I want to begin by honouring the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on. Today, Matt is on Nungawal land and Sam is on Gundungurra land. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging for they hold the memories, the traditions and cultures of our First Nations people. We must always remember that the land below our feet is, was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today we are chatting to Matt Musgraves, who is the founder and principal counsellor at Strong Space Counselling, an online private practice specialising in creating safe spaces for men and fathers to be their full, complex selves. Tune in to hear Matt chat about challenges facing men in therapy, what it's like for men to learn how to access and integrate emotions into their world, and the role Matt plays in modelling vulnerabilities and behaviour to his clients. He also shares a myth that he would love to smash, and this one is a doozy, so make sure you stick around for that. We hope you enjoy joining us inside the therapy room. Welcome, Matt. How you going today? Um, really, really good. Friday afternoon. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon. Do you work weekends? I do not work weekends, and nice. I have Fridays off clients. So oh, I'm coming in. I'm coming in fresh. Weekend. Yep it's uh, <laughs> it's good. It's been a good day. <laughs> nice. I um I don't see clients on Monday, so I have a long weekend mm. on the opposite side of things. Right. So, but it is nice. Um, it's nice to settle into the week or settle out of the week. Out of the yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I like to land. I like to yeah. you know go from the weekend and dive right on in and see my clients and power through yeah. Monday to Thursday and then come Friday and just go. Oh, breathe. Okay. <laughs> breathe. Yeah, you are the total opposite to me. I like to ease on in. <laughs> yeah, fair ease enough. on into the week. Ease on in. Yeah. So, Matt, you are here to chat to us about working with men, working with fathers, and you work solely online, correct? I do, 100% online. Amazing. How nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I wasn't 100% sure how it was going to be received, um, given that I was sort of working in person prior to that, and I've only ever done uh, in-person work with men before that. So um, then we transitioned into the, the second pandemic um, lockdown here in Canberra, mm-hmm. um, which was like 18 months or something after the first yes. one. So, you know, we had a solid gap. Um, and then I just moved everything online. Then I came back to face-to-face after the lockdown was lifted and only one out of my 12 or something clients at the time came back to in-person. I was doing the rest of them. They continued online or over the phone. Yeah. So I just said, why am I paying rent, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and just canned the office and have gone fully online and it's just booming. It's great because I get to work with guys across Australia. So yeah. um opens up my my capacity rather than just seeing Canberra-based clients. Yeah. yeah. It creates a space for flexibility as well because, you That's know, right. you're not stuck in a certain time window or anything yeah. like that. And, you know, when we think of Australia, we have multiple different time zones as well. So, you know, being able to cater for that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's actually really helpful because I've got some, yeah. I've got some like um, windows during the day which get a little bit harder to fill. I will I'll yes. say, you know, compared to my afternoons or early mornings yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and my Perth clients, they love it because for them oh, it's yeah. early morning, absolutely, <laughs> and it's the, the the times I can't get filled uh, from yeah. from East Coast, so it, it works, works really well for my yeah, calendar. Absolutely, so, yeah. and I find online counselling great, and I think that there is this sort of stigma attached to it that it is somehow not as effective as in person but you know there is very few things that can't be done in an online counseling session so and you know most sort of approaches or methods that most therapists use can be adapted to be done online so it just adds so much flexibility for people and safety for them to be able to create you know stay at home stay in their safe space and still be able to exactly you know, get the therapy and get a therapist that actually suits them as opposed to just the exactly. one that's in the same town. Right. You know? It's so it's really accessible. You yeah, know? Um, absolutely. 
um, the 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 feedback that I've got. I mean, I mean, we know the research has been really clear, especially yeah. since the, the the lockdowns where everybody moved online for that huge chunk of time. The mm. research has been clear. Uh, 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 Zoom, online phone counselling is equally as effective as in person counselling. It's in just like everything. It's entirely dependent on the client finding yeah. the right fit for them and what works for them. So Absolutely. it's really really simple. I've got a lot of guys. I've worked with a lot of guys who are like, oh. You know, it's just, it's just doesn't feel right. I'm not getting that connection. I'm like, great, awesome. Let's yeah. find you someone local to you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Let's find someone who's going to be better suited on person. I've had guys go from um, Zoom over to phone and loved it. I've had guys go from phone over to Zoom and loved it. And once they find the right fit, they just yeah. stick with it and it's really good. But um, what I was going to say is, you know, the fact that I'm able to meet with so many different guys from across Australia and so many of them are like, oh, I'm so glad that I can work with you or your style really suits me or your modality that you're using, you know, it's not anywhere in my town or in my city or people are booked out for so far in advance. So I go, great. (laughs) You know, you can be in Adelaide, you can be in Melbourne, you can be in Brisbane, you can be in Sydney and still work with me. Um, Yeah. And it works really, really well, I think. Absolutely. It's great. I love online counselling. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing that's coming up for me as well is that a lot of my men, you know, they they have a hard time enough with counselling, yeah, and with therapy as it is, right? Mm-hmm. So for them to be able to take an extra half an hour at lunchtime and just go yep. and sit in their car and do it on the phone or put you know put the um, phone on the dashboard and have the zoom looking at them or you know whatever they're doing in the car um on their lunch break or walking around the lake or you know if they are at home they can go and make themselves a cup of coffee and if i'm on the phone i got no idea what they're doing right yeah. so they just get to be really relaxed and calm they don't have to worry about um other people around them what they're doing it just looks like they're on a phone call Right. But if you're being seen going into a therapy office or if you've got to leave for an extra half an hour, you know, yeah. um, off work. So you got to drive to the office and, and get there, then you have to explain that. So I get a lot of feedback from guys that they're hesitant at first because they also think the narrative is in person therapy is the most effective. Yeah. Um, and yet eventually, after they either try it or after a little while, the feedback is always the same. I really didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. <laughs> and it was. So, you yeah. know, I take it. <laughs> Absolutely. The ease of it is is fantastic. So I think it's great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Matt, tell me a little bit about what drew you to working specifically with men and fathers. Where does that passion come from? Uh, oh, gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> loaded, no, question. Uh, loaded question. Loaded <laughs> question. Um, if I, if I'm completely honest, I remember having a conversation with my wife before I started the business early last year. And at that time I'd already been working for a year in another group practice, a private practice. And I was seeing pretty much anyone. It was a sex therapy practice. So I was seeing women, men, trans, um, individuals. I was seeing, I was working with like poly couples. I was working with, um, um, sex workers. I was working you name it. And I was just thrown in the deep end at that point. Yeah. Right. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then, so I was like, I was like, oh, if I go out on my own, you know, what should I, what, what's my niche? What am I really interested in? Yeah. And at that point, I'd spent six years leading up to that point, um, exclusively working with men in mm-hmm. um, a completely different sector, case management, um, probation, parole, criminology, in and out of the, yep. uh, the, the criminal justice sector, um, working, uh, facilitating groups for yep. violent men, basically. Okay. Um, and so I was like, oh, do I really want to just work with men? <laughs> really? Like yeah. I've been doing that for so long. But then there was just this really strong part of me that's like, look, that's your bread and butter. That's where you mm. feel most confident. Um, you know, you can always expand out later as you go. You can always add to the business as it as it comes. And now, 18 months later, I just absolutely love working with the guys and the fathers that I've worked with. And I don't yeah. see myself changing because it's so needed you know, and I just, um, I'm, I'm now like starting to train and help and, um, sort of peer supervise a lot of other guys who are just getting into the counseling space and are working with men. So I'm starting to build this little community (laughs) of, of counselors and people who really like love working with guys. Um, and I've fallen head over heels in love with it. Um, and just don't see myself finishing up working exclusively with guys for a long time. I think, I think when it feels natural and you feel excited about someone in that space coming in 
to your virtual or literal therapy room, I think that's when you know that you've hit your sweet spot, when it doesn't feel forced and you sort of go, oh, gosh, not another one of those, like not another not another yeah. guy, not another dad, like, geez, I think when there is that, yes, there's still, there's yeah. still excitement. That's when you know you've hit your stride and you've hit your sweet spot. So, yeah. Yeah. Spending six years in the criminal justice sector, working right at the pointy end um, yeah. with some really high risk clients. Let's use a, you know, let's use a, a, yeah. a, a non-derogatory term for, yes. for that um, cohort. Yeah. Um, but, you know, facilitating domestic violence, men's behavior change programs, just like really challenging, really hyper risky stuff where you're constantly thinking about safety and yeah. and managing risk and those sorts of places. Counseling is kind of like a breath of fresh air, you know. <laughs> um, it, it, I come into it and it's like, oh, my God, yeah. they all want to be here. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> there's know? a choice and about it all of a sudden. There's a choice. Yeah. And if they don't want to work with me and they want to move on, awesome they can yeah. do that yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah um they're not court mandated or anything to be here so a huge weight of my shoulders where i come in and i get to work with men who really want to be here and they're my people right i've been working with some of the same guys now for two and a half years yeah. and that seems wild to me you know um but it's amazing and i yeah, really, do, really do continuity of care is incredible yeah you know, that sort of um, you know, psychotherapy model as opposed to just a um, a clinical six sessions, get in, get out model just creates such a holding of care and support yes. that I think is unlike anything else. <laughs> so what sort of issues um, are you seeing come up? Are you still sort of working with people who are in the sort of world of domestic violence or things like that that you used to be seeing? Are we seeing them in a different capacity yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, when you start the like when you start the business, you're leveraging all of your old networks and referrals and people yeah. who um, know you and were waiting for you to open, and you know, um, and then yeah. all of a sudden you get this influx and being in the criminal justice sector for so long here in Canberra, domestic violence clients galore coming yeah, through, okay. at least initially. As time's gone on, it's been about eighteen months now since I sort of started taking on clients. I've got a whole spectrum um, and of, of of issues that I kind of work with. Yeah. Um, specialising and niching down and working with men mm-hmm. and f- even with fathers comes with, like, y- y- you're not just working with grief and loss. Yeah. You're not just working with trauma. You're not just working, you know, just in these, like, really specific niches. I get that. I run the whole gamut um, yeah. of clients, which is kind of a nice place to start off in the industry, I think, because I yeah. get that experience across the board. The core issues that I kind of see uh, every single day, not to get too deep about it, but there's a lot of men who have never experienced emotional, relational safety right. in their life. Yeah. Right. Not from their parents, not from their work colleagues, not from their partners, not from their children. Mm. right and whilst a lot of the work i do with those guys is um on the ways that they contribute to that in their own lives Mm. right the way that they hold themselves back the way that they um struggle and fear being vulnerable you know with those people sharing um what are the things that hold them back what are they protecting themselves from um there's also a lot of there's a very real struggle that a lot of people have knowing how to hold emotional space for men yeah. Right. So even when guys do build up the courage and the confidence to step out and show their emotions or be vulnerable with their partners or with their kids or with someone close to them, friends, family, a lot of it either gets sort of shut down or invalidated or that same old narrative of like, well, suck it up, be a man. Yeah. You know, what do you want? What do you want me to do about it? I have no idea what to say to you. Let me just try to fix the problem yeah. kind of thing, yeah. which I don't think anyone's doing intentionally i think there's just a really um there's a huge gap in people's uh, awareness of how to hold emotional space for men because men have never given anyone capacity to do that yeah that makes it really hard for them to to step out of um the 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 same comfort zone (laughs) that's actually making them really struggle in their relationships um, and in their own life so that's kind of the number one issue that I work with, yeah. right, is, um, you know, what are the ways that we're holding, you know, the parts of us are holding us back that are protecting us from that fear very validly, right, mm. and still being able to give ourselves the the strength and the courage to be able to meet our own needs or 
ask to have our needs needs met. Yeah. Right. So in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, guys are relearning how to advocate for themselves in their yeah. relationships with their parents and with the people around them in a very compassionate and understanding way, which does not come easily when we've been invalidated or pushed away. So that's the number yeah. one thing I'm seeing when I'm working with guys. Yeah. I would imagine that there would also be a difficulty in the sense that, you know, when we think about guys and emotion or, you know, men crying and things like that, there's almost, you know, this fetish, you know, of, of mm. particularly heterosexual women going, oh, my gosh, I just love when a man cries. You know, it's just like it's almost like they fetishize that that sort of act. And it's like, well, you know, this should be just a part of you, you know, holding a space for for somebody else's experience of emotion, you know, human emotion, not just right. male emotion, you know. Yeah, and- yeah I, I I really resonate with that. Like yeah. I, I've, I've probably not thought about it in that way, you know, with that language, but it does, it can often feel like that. Yeah. And and as as much as like we're not king shaming we're not like there's nothing wrong with parts of us like really enjoying that and seeing that and holding that yeah but when that part sort of leads the conversation it can feel really condescending it can feel really invalidating right absolutely um and and when people when that happens totally normal a lot of men just get that shame reinforced around, well, there is obviously something wrong with me yeah. feeling this way and you don't know how to handle it. And yeah. though that's not the fault of everyone, one of two things has to happen. Either that person has to be able to hold their own parts back so that they can connect with that man who's being vulnerable and showing emotion in a way that makes them feel um, really safe, Yeah. right? And that takes a lot of work on the part of a partner. And especially we know for women that work can be really hard to do because they're already holding so much of men's emotions. So it feels like an extra thing that their partners have to kind of do and manage in order to create safety. Mm -hmm. So I totally get that. That's one of the big struggles. But on the other hand, the one, the thing that I work with is like how do men who are showing vulnerability who receive that message from that person relationally, acknowledge, hold respect for, understand that they are going to potentially feel that way or respond in a way that's not what you like or what you need and work with the parts of you that feel defensive or aggressive or, you know, receiving that message that um, we can't be emotional because that's one of the biggest things um, that the guys struggle with is like, see, you're not doing... You know, you're not meeting me with her. Look, yeah. I'm doing my work and you're, you know, just coming at it from a condescending place. Yeah. That's not what's really happening, right? Mm. What we can do is we can say, yeah, 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 this is not how I wanted you to receive this and I totally get why you are. Yeah, yeah. Because this Absolutely. is mine and I can hold my own stuff mm. and I can say, hey, when you do that, yeah. I feel really condescending. I feel really small and really little and I know that's not what you wanted. Yeah. I know that's not your intention. Yeah, being able to communicate your need in that moment whilst acknowledging the other person's perspective is so powerful in making that not turn into a conflict or a, you know, tiffin situation. Absolutely. I would would think that there is a part of your therapy where um, there would almost be a modelling role for you as to sort of be able for, for men to be able to see another man be comfortable with emotion, be comfortable setting boundaries, communicating needs, all of those things that they want to learn. There's sort of that mirroring, modeling sort of thing happening. Definitely. So yeah. definitely. It's one of the things I probably wa- wasn't ready mm. um, or wasn't, it's not that I wasn't ready. It's just that I wasn't aware of the extent to which that was going to help my clients. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in the domestic violence space and I was working, um, facilitating men's behavior change groups, I, um, it was my role as the only male facilitator with all other, you know, women with men who essentially hated women, right. Um, had to be that model, right. Mm. I had to show the respect and which I would do anyway. Right. But at the same time, there was an extra added layer of um, importance that was put into that space. Mm. Right. And, and so I took that really, really seriously. And I spent years and years and years uh, honing that skill of being okay 
playing second fiddle and not taking up too much space, always offering the, you know, the female facilitator to step in and share, right. And giving them space to, to, to decide whether or not they felt comfortable and safe in particular areas and just model that right for the guys. I wasn't expecting so much to have to do that in my own counseling practice as I probably do. So When you tra- when you train as a counselor, you probably remember Sam, and even even as you talk with other counselors in networking and all those sorts of things, there's a real taboo around self disclosure. Oh yes. Whoa. <laughs> I had a chat with uh, with another therapist about you know bringing lived experience into the room. Yep. There is it is a very hot, hot contentious topic among, it among is. therapists. Yeah, it is, and I love it. I love Same. the topic. Yeah. Uh, because for me, as a as a as a man who is doing a lot of his own work and yeah. have spent a long time kind of um, coming back to myself and training in this and wanting to be the best facilitator I can be, yeah, I've come to realize that my male clients, my men, they they really love when I share my stories about the yeah. things that I do and how I approach challenging situations and what I say to myself and how I think about it and how I do my parts work and my own healing and unburdening and how I'd, and it can get really, really, uh, you walk in a very fine line into yeah. just making the session about me. Yeah. And this is how I would do it. And this is yeah. my language. So a lot of my own professional development and a lot of my own supervision is very much around how much of myself I bring into the space. Yeah. Right. And yet at the same time, knowing that that's an incredibly effective way to get other men to start thinking about things differently, that, the, that there yeah. is a different way to think about the situation. I was working with one particular client recently who was really struggling to not be um, making connections mm-hmm. um, from his ex-partner's behavior. All right. right? Yeah. And coming up with some pretty, let's say, wild assumptions mm-hmm. okay, around what that meant and what, what they were trying to do and those sorts of things. And I sort of said, yeah, I really get it. I really yeah. understand. I can see how that part sees this behavior and this behavior and this behavior as equaling this really terrible problematic thing over here. Totally get that. Yeah. And I just wanted to offer to you, like I've got a different perspective. I've taken those same behaviors and this is the story I've told myself. Yeah. Right. Around that, that this is actually what's happened. And, you know, this has been the natural consequence of that. And then that's been brought to your behavior. And and that's actually a really, that's a huge opportunity for you to, you know, step into this other space of, And so what would the difference be for you if you were to think this way versus this way? Like, what do you think the impact of that's going to be on you and your system? And he's like, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Like, of course you haven't. Why would you have? No one's offered that to you. Absolutely. You can see how when you get fixated on this, you know, presumption, an assumption Mm. over here, that's actually really disconnecting you from the potential of, you know, the safe relationship that you want to build. Yeah. Right, because it's protecting you from whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And over here, if it's just a natural consequence and it's a totally normal and appropriate reaction, and it's an opportunity for you to really hear and see and connect with, you know, your 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 ex partner, yeah. right, around this co parenting issue, then you can see how that might shape and change what the outcome of what actually happens. Not needing to defend yourself, not needing to feel like you're proving yourself or like they're going against you in some way. It's like, oh. How do I, and that's when we started grabbing, what is it going on for him that's holding him back and keeping him focused over here? That's not going to change overnight. Yeah. And he, he knows yeah. that and we're yeah. working on that together and we, you know, yeah. we catch up every week and, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. But if he doesn't have someone there like me to challenge, um, to all give alternate options, to um, interpret things in different kind of ways based on yeah. my experience in a really positive, supporting, safety-making kind of way. A lot of people, and I think a lot of counsellors, would work with a guy like that and just be like, this guy is paranoid. Yeah. He is like, it's super intense. Like, this is really yeah. scary and problematic, which it might be, you know, in some cases, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been working with him. I know it's not, you yeah. know, you know, I know what that, that's kind of like and I know there's a lot of support for that family which is backing them both up so I can go into that conversation not worrying too much about the safety of it yeah right? absolutely but ultimately I still want to be there for him as my client I still that's why it's really important for me to say 
I get why your part does, sees these things and equals that. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Absolutely. And maybe it's not the whole story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's more to it. And what does that do for you? And so, yeah, that's one of the things that I work really hard to do in my own practice is be the support for the man, even when I'm challenging or giving an alternative perspective or sort of um, I'm putting my own stuff into the space. It's always relevant about what would this small story mean for you? Now that you've heard me and how I yeah. think about this particular thing, what does that, what does it bring up in you and really reverse it back to them? And it's a very difficult skill and a very fine line. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, self-disclosure has always been for as long as I can remember a really, you know, contentious issue. But I think for those who sort of, um, I think if you're sitting at either end of the spectrum, it's dangerous. I think it is just as dangerous to, you know, make so much of the session about you um, mm-hmm. just as much as it is to never say anything about you because yeah. you want your clients to see you as human. Like even just yeah. something as simple as, you know, mentioning, you know, you know, this is what I've done with my therapist or whatever. And they go, oh, yeah. so like you have therapy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course we have therapy. Gosh, are you kidding? Um, you know, so I think even just like little things like that can just go, oh, yeah. There's an ease that it that it gives the clients um, to not only you know be able to see you know new alternatives, new thoughts, but to know that we're all in the same boat. Like yeah. we're all we're all just figuring life out together, and it's yeah. that commonality of human experience. I think mm-hmm. that really resonates in the room mm. to just normalize what we're doing oh okay I can just relax about this so I I love self self disclosure and working from a lived experience part of you um and yeah I think it's a real missed opportunity for those who who sort of tread the line of never using it at all um and I I shared a a meme on my Instagram story today about um, sort of therapists not having a blank slate and it's all of these images of different facial expressions and, and, you know, no client of mine ever gets a blank slate here. If you're outraged, I'm outraged and I'm going to, I'm going to show you that I'm outraged, not just say that, you know, Mm. we want to sort of have that commonality. Yeah. Ask myself, is it what benefit is it for the client? Yeah. Holding, holding myself back. Therapy works, counselling works because of the relationship. We know yeah, that. Absolutely. Right? It doesn't matter the training. It doesn't matter yep. the background. It doesn't matter the modality. It doesn't matter the mode of delivery. Yeah. It's about the relationship. It's about the client liking mm-hmm. and trusting us with their story to process and work through their stuff. Yeah. My clients like me better Yeah. when I'm a real human with my own absolutely. struggles and yeah. I own my stuff. You know, if I'm running late to a session because, you know, my kids at home sick or something like yeah you know they want to like they're not gonna it normalizes it it normalizes it totally and so they can feel safe in their own experience as well even if it's not the same as ours so back to that modeling right like I, i i believe in the power of the relationship and not in the power of um, and not, I don't put so much stock in the power of like my intellect or yeah. whether or not I'm I'm doing it right or whether or not I've read enough books, right? Yeah. And I think I still want to do that. As a therapist, <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. that keeps you as a therapist in the um, the position of human who yeah. is helping and supporting and guiding, and not in the position of expert. And that is not exactly. a position I like to sit in. You know, I yeah. like to sit in the space of I'm a human with lived experiences in these areas, which is why I like to work with clients who present in these areas. Yeah. You are a man, you are a dad. That is why you get to, you know, share that human experience in the room. Exactly. So I think, yeah, it takes you out of the space of, you know, I don't want to be seen as an expert. I don't want to be seen as someone who knows it all and has it all together because, by geez, I do not. So yeah. I, I think the client <laughs> likes to think 
to put us in that box. I know. You're the, I get that all. You're the expert, Matt. You tell me what to do. And I go, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, had one, I had one client go, what do you think this is, your job or something? And I was like, well, a little bit. <laughs> Just a little you know, bit. I, I always said it was like, if I tell you what to do and it doesn't work, <laughs> what how what's that gonna do for us like what yeah. like what how are you gonna come back the next time because i i can tell you what's coming up for me and if that's yeah. what your system needs I, I will we can talk about that and we yeah, can you absolutely. know hash that out but i'm more i'm more curious about what impact that's gonna go away and have if yeah. i get really directive if i you know because so many of the men that i work with they've never had counseling before they've yeah. never had this kind of support they've never you know um they don't have any skill development in, you know, um, religion. they're looking for tools, they're looking for answers, they're looking for yeah. intellectual, rational, problem-solving skills. Yeah. And we know that that's just not effective when it comes to emotional, relational problems. Yeah, absolutely. Or trauma. Or trauma, right? Yeah, like sometimes absolutely. we just, we can't logic our way out of it. We yeah. can't analyze our way. We can't overthink our way out of. A and sometimes reasoning your way out of it actually is really invalidating. It's it's, it's an awful experience. Just I, I, trying reason. That's just bypassing human emotion. Right. Right. So, and as men, that's what we've been taught to do: yeah, bypass exactly. human emotion. Yeah. Um. So most of the men that I work with, they've never fully experienced their own emotional capacity. Um, yeah. One of my favorite questions that I ask almost all of my guys early on is, "When, when was the last time you really remember feeling something strongly?" Mm, great question. Do you know the amount of times I have stumped men? Yeah. Into not responding, they can't think of it. I tell you what, I think that would stump most people. I think that's a question that would stump a lot of people. Yeah, because it really means that you have to self-reflect and have enough self-awareness to even be able to regulate and notice when those emotions are happening. Yeah. I think that would stump stacks of people. One of my favourite answers from the guys I work with, oh, yeah, on Friday. Yep, on Friday. It's like, what 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 did you feel on Friday? Oh yeah, my sister got engaged and I was real happy for her. I was like, great, that's amazing. Yeah. What did that feel like? What yeah. do you mean? What did it I feel? I felt like? happy about. I felt it. happy, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I I believe you. I believe mm-hmm. that you were genuinely happy in that moment. Totally yeah. get it. What did it feel like? Yeah, what does happy feel like to you? Yeah, he's like, I just think that I'm happy. I'm like, right. So you didn't feel happy. <laughs> you thought, you thought about happy. it. Happy. Yeah. You thought that you were really happy. Yeah. Right? And Absolutely. he's like, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm like, great. Wonderful. Mm. When was the last time you remember feeling something? Yeah. yeah. Right? And so many guys go, it hasn't been since I was a kid or, yeah. you know, um, it might be that angry outburst that they had no control over or something. Thing, right and then we go right what was that like for you mm-hmm. what did it take for you to get from this point to this last feeling that you had this last outburst and they can name 8 10 15 transgressions before their body will actually allow them to you know explode because they're so emotionally um dissociated yeah right from their bodies and so tight and so tense and so logical that they genuinely they cannot get to a place where they can, where they allow themselves to feel their own emotions. Yeah. Right. And so I think um, a lot of the work that I do is uh, silently and slowly, very gently um, <laughs> um, caressing them into yeah. a place where I, where they're just like, oh, if I hear it in their voice, I go, oh, what was that? Mm-hmm. Because that, that was, I bet you there's something in that. Yeah. Right. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, don't know. I'm like, what is that confused? Are you confused? Like, are you a little bit uncertain? Yeah. Where do you feel uncertain? Yeah. Where do you feel confused? Oh, I feel it's like my, my, the, my, the stomach's dropped. I'm like, perfect. Mm-hmm. There you go. You've done it. You've yeah. done it. You're successful. Now you've felt a feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, what? I'm like, that's it. That's all it is. Yeah. Just Being able to connect it and that- described it body sensation that physical yeah. sensation with a human emotion is yeah. one of the most difficult things for it a is. lot of people to do and yeah. i think you know if there's people out there listening going well you know why does it have to be slow why does it have to be caressed out of people well because we don't want to overwhelm anybody if everybody yeah. was to, if we were to do that really quickly and a really fast process that's like 
that's going to be so overwhelming that people will just check right on out. I'm checking that's out right. of this hotel. Like exactly. If you're possible. If you're already dissociating, if you're yeah. already struggling for potentially decades of yeah. your life yeah. and you've never felt um, or you've really struggled to connect to your feelings somatically and in your body, yeah, what's going to happen when we open those floodgates? Mm. What are the, what are the, in my language, what are the protective parts doing? Yeah. And how are they going to feel about it if we bypass that protection? Yeah. Right? Because they're, they're doing it for a reason. The dissociation is happening for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. right yep. so if we if we go too fast right if we step into that and i've i've done this a cup twice twice now recently like this year i'd say where clients have come back to me either actually in the session after after i you know um get them into their body with mm-hmm. permission i always ask permission yeah right they've come back and they've said no nah, can't do it flooded yeah and they shut down and you yeah. you literally see their bodies and their and their heads shut down associate and and i go right that was on me i went too quickly please do not think for a second that you're doing anything wrong you are not protective system is doing exactly what it's meant to do yeah okay i went too fast and that's not my fault we're just testing and adjusting yeah all right we're finding the group we'll figure it out together but let's just do whatever whatever your parts need to do to protect you from this feeling you do that Okay. And it's totally appropriate. I had one guy come back. It was four weeks between sessions. He's like, I have been in crisis for four (laughs) weeks straight. Oh. And I said to him, I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) And he's like, I haven't been able to work. I haven't been able to. And we like we did a deep piece of work with this guy because he his parts and it was full permission, right? Mm. His parts we were saying, Yep, this is what we want to do. They were trying to force him to do what they thought was the right thing. Yeah. Right. Logically, he's like, this is how we heal ourselves. So we're just going to do it. We're just going to do what Matt says. Right. And I was taking that as permission rather than coercion, Mm. internal coercion. And because I didn't see it and he, his protective system just tried to tough it out until the next session, got to the next session. And oh my God, like Mm. that was a, that, that was a doozy because I I had to really work with the protectors to repair, you know, um, any, any, any um, trust that I might've lost in that space for not being um, capable enough. And it was amazing. Now we work, now he works wonderfully in his own system, right? Because, we were able, like, again, we're modeling that repair. We're modeling that trust. I'm sitting there going, I didn't notice that. That's on me. Yeah. Right. And he's like, what? Yeah. That transparency. You're taking responsibility. Yeah. What What does that look like? Right. And I'm just like, this is what guys don't have. Right. Yeah. You know? And so people, a lot of guys will go back and their therapist or their psychologist will say, oh, right. You mustn't have done it right. Or, you know, the tools yeah. aren't working or yeah, there's something you know wrong with you. We need to shift gear, you know, yeah. there's something wrong with, you know, with your system where that, that didn't, that wasn't effective enough. And I was like, no, no, yeah. no, your system was bloody perfect. That yeah. was super effective. It's that doing part what of it's you, trained and designed to right? do. That part of you that let us go to that place too quickly really wanted you to heal. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just didn't that. catch that it was a part. I yeah. just didn't catch that we were bypassing something. That's, and that's yeah. on me. Yeah. Right. But yeah. that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I yeah. prefer, I, you know, I wish that you'd called me, you know, the next day or something. So I could have got you in. in Not a few four days weeks later. later. Not four weeks, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, oh, I, just, I just, just a little reminder every yeah. Friday, I have emergency sessions just oh, for things like this. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Put exactly. a few extra things in place, you know, now since that time. Oh. Um, you know, but really like, I think just like that slow and a lot of men do not want to go slow. They do not oh, want to yeah. be gentle. They do not want to be crisp. There's a lot of like, it feels like coercion and there's a lot of yeah. like, give them what they want, but also sprinkle a little bit of what we think they need. And that yeah. feels a little experty. That feels a little like I, yeah. I know more than you about your own yeah. life. But at the same time, the feedback is always the same. Uh, they say, oh, I've been to this psychologist. I've got these tools. I've done this. I've done that. And I go, great. How's that been working for you over the last few years? They go, it hasn't. So yeah, nothing. exactly. I'm talking I'm like, to right, you. Okay, it's clearly cool. not working. Right. <laughs> right. So like, okay. So, the so obviously box, the, the toolbox aside. Let's put them over there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and that's one of the things I was, I was talking to a client about today. I was just said, look, 
I get it. I get it that you feel even worse because those tools aren't working. And I get that you feel, you know, like even more shameful and bad and like you, you, you're getting it wrong because you're you're not able to implement or the part is too strong or the anger is just too much or the, you know, whatever it is. I don't work that way. I never have. Right. But at the same time, if you need tools, if those um, intellectual, logical, analytical parts want something to grapple and yeah. grip onto, I've got them. Here they are. Yeah. And Here's tools the are, link. Tools can be great. Tools can be yeah. a, a wonderful. You know, they're helpful, but they're only helpful if it's the right tool and you know how to use it. You know, there's no yeah. point trying yeah. to hammer something with a screwdriver. Yes, you might right. get the same job done, but it's not going to be super effective for you. So you mm. want the right tool for the right purpose with the right person. And, yep. and that combination then means that it works. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. those stock standard here, you know, just you've got anxiety here, do this, you know. Do that's this journaling exercise. Yeah, and, that's never going you know, to work. Right, right. So, and yeah. And I think you've touched on something really important there, which is like, a lot of the pieces have to fall into place before, you know, things can feel really effective. And and some of those pieces are within our control and some of those pieces aren't within our yep. control. For some people, it takes 10 years to find the right person. For some people, they find it the first time around. It can be really challenging for guys who have never done this before, who have, don't know or understand the nuance. And that's why I think as clinicians, it's really important for us to be able to hold sort of space and compassion and curiosity for our guys, even if it's not working. Yeah. Right. Um, Or even if they want to go too fast, or even if, you know, they're asking for things that we don't give to really understand that this is a pretty tricky um, environment to navigate as it is. Right, let alone with all of our own wounds and a lot of our own insecurities yeah. um, and on top of a protective parts that don't want us to be vulnerable um, yeah. with people we don't know. So I, I just hold a lot of patience, um, a lot of perspective. I do a lot of work on just trying to zoom out in my own mind around what is this person really, you know, you know, I've had clients say, you know, that's really offensive, Matt, when I've like, called out stalking behavior or something yeah. really intense where I'm like, wow, that's actually like, like I can, for you, that's you breaching that boundary of that yeah. person. That's you like um, finding a loophole and, and doing the opposite of what that person's asked you to do. Right. Yeah. And I'd be like, that's so offensive. Like that's not, you know, what I was trying It's a total misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. My parts are going to come up around that. Right. But if I can zoom out and just gain that perspective to be like, oh, of course that person's going to get defensive around me yeah. naming that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important for me to name that mm-hmm. for, as I see it, right? Yeah. So I say, right, you really feel offended. Yeah. Like you really struggle with that idea that maybe that behavior that you thought was totally normal because it is technically legal. Yeah. Right. Might actually be a breach of somebody's trust or a breach of something, even though technically you're allowed to do it. Yeah. Right. And so for them, that carries a lot of shame. That carries a lot of guilt. That carries. So if I can just zoom out, if I can just stay really curious and be with them and not take that personally, Mm. then I'm doing my job. I'm connecting with them. I'm building that relationship. All right. Um, And then I'm running to supervision afterwards. And I mean, I feel like we've jumped down a rabbit hole that we could, you know, talk about for hours, to be honest, but Uh, I want to, Let's finish with, I've asked everybody who I'm doing these chats with to think of a myth that you would love to smash. What is that myth? What are we smashing? I like to remind myself every day that I come into work that men are not the simple creatures we think they are, that we're taught that they are, that they will tell us that they are. They're not the simple creatures that they want to be. And one of the ways, you know, one of the things that I like to just remind myself every day is that telling them that they're more complex and that they have feelings and, you know, just like steamrolling them into understanding that it's okay to have feelings and emotions and complexity and nuance and not need to logic and problem solve their way out of everything is not usually effective. I haven't met many people, many guys where that's been the most effective (laughs) strategy. It's it's at, back to your original oh. point. It's always the same. Yeah. Showing them yeah. that there's more to themselves than they might realize and yeah. that that's okay and safe. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And understanding that nuance is going to give them the capacity to relate better to their partners, yeah. to their parents, to their kids, and become the kind of people that they want to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and 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 actually sort of move towards effective behavior change. Yeah. Right. Which is what they're coming to us for. So yeah. that's that's the big one for me. Men are not the simple creatures that everyone wants them to be, that they think they're gonna they think they are, and that they um kind of are told that they should be. We are all human and human yeah. complex. And why there is that sort of assumption that men are somehow immune to that is is ridiculous. To, it is. It's just ridiculous. It's bizarre. I don't know how we ever came to that, but however it happened is insane to me. Yeah. They, you know, yep. men are not immune to the complexities of life or relationships or their own internal world at map. So um I love that. As hard as they may try. As hard yeah. as they may try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We as humans do not deserve to be boxed in. So let's yeah, yeah let's throw and the boxes in the recycling bin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and at the same time let's do it safely. right like don't shove it all in at once if if we just have you seen throw the the guys out of their box exactly yeah (laughs) you are never going to shove it all in and you will get boxes that are you know tv size boxes and you'll get one that is a tissue box size and so let's maybe start with the tissue box size and not go straight to one that you know a couch fit yeah so, yeah. you know, yep. that's going to be much easier. Let's pull that one apart slowly, bit by bit. So the analogy that I use with almost every single one of my clients, and it funnily enough fits perfectly with the box analogy you're using, <laughs> is let's go into the basement. Yeah. All right, where you've stored all your boxes and you've stored mm-hmm. all your shit. Sometimes I'll say, let's go out into the garage at the back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If they're a really particularly manly man with yeah. a mute and stuff, I'll go, let's go to the let's go to the shed, mate. All right. In your mind, let's go to the shed where you store yeah. all your shit. All right. And all we're doing today is turning the light on. Mm-hmm. That's it. Amazing. Yeah. We're not touching the box. We're not touching the box. We're not touching any of your shit. I just want you to know that it's there. Yeah. Okay. We can turn the light on. We can look around. We can notice. How do we feel? Overwhelmed? Interested? Curious? What's going on for you as you notice? How much is in your basement? How much is yeah. in your shed? How much is in your garage? How much you stored away? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe there, you know, there are some scary stuff that can be down there. There's some really big stuff, daunting stuff that can be down there. And that's all okay. We're not touching it. We're just turning the light on. And when you feel ready, turn the light off and come back out. Yeah. Amazing. And it just opens them up to this idea that maybe there's some stuff that they've been pushing down and burying and ignoring and putting away and that that's okay. Normal. Yeah. All right. But that we can access it if we feel, if and when we feel ready to do yeah. that. Yeah. Works quite well. They seem Absolutely. to like it. Absolutely. That's great. <laughs> but the boxes are going to go somewhere. So I love the basement. Yeah. Garage yeah. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 Well, it has been wonderful chatting to you, Matt. It has been great. You know, I think that we probably could have chatted for a whole nother hour, to be honest. Oh, I think there agreed. is a lot of nuance and complexity with working in this space Uh, and I love that you are because it is needed you know there is needs to be um, a container a space where people and where men can go and I don't tend to use the term safe space I tend to go with I want my you know, therapy space to feel like it's filter free because mm. we filter language all the time. We go, mm. I won't bring that up because, you know, it'll cause an argument or I won't say that because, you know, it'll just be easier that way. I'll just, you know, push it, push it down. It's just easier. And so yeah. I want this space to be filter free. And I think there mm. needs to be that space for men to feel like they don't have to you know, filter something. They don't need to reframe something for your benefit. They get to just be who they are and, you know, explore the complexities, explore that, you know, in a world. So I love that there is that space and that it is an accessible space for people nationwide. Yeah. 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 
No, thanks for that, Sam. And I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, I'm like I said, I'm starting to really build and cultivate a bit of a community yeah. of like-minded people who love working yeah. with men and want to kind of, you know, whether that's, you know, in their practice, like um, solely their focus in the practice or just as a part of their practice. Um, yeah. You know, um, I'm, I've got a I've got a professionals Facebook group of, of people who work with just with men and fathers okay. and we just chat and we put our stuff in and we put like um, resources in there. If anyone's doing talks and anything like that, they chuck it in and um we're just kind of helping just support each other around um the nuance of working with with guys in mm-hmm. the space um and, and those, it's really wonderful absolutely those collectives are so needed i have a, one as well of a collective of therapists that i set up with a colleague around our specialty which is religious trauma and you know it is you know needed to be able to have mm. collective spaces where you know, there is mutual learning. There is no experts yeah. here. We are all learning right. from one another and we are learning because we want to be able to present, one, our best selves and, two, the best spaces for the people who fall into our rooms, right. whether that be physical or virtual. So right. amazing. Um, and also happy to send you the link if, if anyone, you know, listening wants to, you know. Yes. Um, yeah, I will. If you're a practitioner or what are you, you know, you can just jump in. You yeah, know, and have that have that chat. Um, I've Amazing. got a few school teachers from Africa who, you know, I I do, I, I don't know if they fit the criteria, but for the <laughs> oh most part, <laughs> um, counselors. Yeah, it's it's called count. Uh, oh, don't we love fathers. social media? <laughs> you know, um, oh, I think God. they genuinely like. I think they genuinely yeah. want like, to to join, and there was nothing sort of dodgy about it at all. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be right fit for you but anyway yeah. I'll, I'll send you the link for that as well people are amazing interested. <laughs> perfect i will be popping all of your details in in the description anyway Absolutely. so i hope people will be able to follow um social medias head to your website yeah. for more details all of that sort I've, of thing but i am i am yeah. very much like yourself in the process of getting like a, a counseling nicole a podcast called like australian aussie men's counseling podcast mm-hmm. for men Yep. Um, where I interview practitioners and guides around specific niches and things like that um, yeah. as a resource because it's just like I'm getting to the point where I can't see everyone, but I'd love to still get a lot of that information out there. So hopefully that'll be up and running by the end of the year as well. I'll get you on. Amazing. Thanks so much, Matt. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. This is awesome. Well done. We hope you enjoyed joining us inside the therapy room. Thanks for listening.